0: Welcome to HCS Talks. I'm your host, superintendent of Hampton City Schools, Raymond Haynes. This is a Hampton City Schools podcast. We are still fairly new to the world of podcasts, as we released our first podcast about three months ago. HCS Talks is designed to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain our community and beyond. We will talk about a lot of different topics related to education, students, teachers, support staff, Parents, programs, and initiatives, community partnerships, and more. Some of it will just be informative no matter who you are. So we hope you will stay tuned and keep listening to HCS Talks. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with one of our 10 High School alumnus, Mr. Ricky Matthews, who is now a meteorologist on Wavy TV 10. So thank you for being here, Mr. Matthews. I'm looking forward to our conversation and learning more about you, your experiences as a Hampton City School student, and now your career as a meteorologist. So let's begin by learning about your education and career path.
1: Well, thanks for having me this morning. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. I uh, I grew up in Hampton. Uh, Grew up very close to Nickerson Boulevard and Fox Hill Road area. Uh, so I went to Phillips Elementary School uh, and then Sims Middle School. And then eventually, as you mentioned, Kecoughtan High School, uh, which were all fairly, li- really close and, yes, uh, and great schools to go to uh, when I did. Graduated from Kecoughtan in 2011. Uh, from there, I was looking around at colleges. And in 2011, there weren't many colleges in Virginia that offered meteorology. And a little backtrack, I actually wanted to do Aviation somewhat too, but aviation's a very expensive field to get into uh, if you don't just straight up join the military, which is a great route to go. But um, so anyway, I wanted to do meteorology, decided on that. And at the time, no college in Virginia had a program. Virginia Tech has now created a program, but at the time there was no other school that offered it. So closest state was North Carolina. So I looked to North Carolina, NC State was uh, had a program, UNC Charlotte had a program, and I believe UNC Asheville had a program at the time. Um, looked around and just decided that Charlotte was the right fit for me and went to school in Charlotte for a couple of years, had a couple of internships there and uh, back here in Hampton Roads, and then uh, moved on to my first job after that.
0: So Charlotte is a nice city too. Yeah. So you didn't, it didn't entice you to want to remain in that particular area? Well,
1: so the interesting thing about our career field, uh, at least with the broadcast sector of, of meteorology, is that basically each TV market is given a number one thread i want to say it's 214 number one is new york city right. 214 is uh i believe somewhere out in montana or north dakota and it's based off market size how many people live there so typically if you're starting out just like a lot of jobs they want experience and you're probably not going to get hired in charlotte out of your first job right. um, so uh, i ended up working in bristol tennessee which is uh right there in the state line basically of virginia and north carolina and tennessee Half the city's actually in Virginia, half the city's in Tennessee. Um, so I worked there for a while, uh, about six to seven years. Got, you know, enough experience, and then an opportunity came up here in Hampton Roads at Wavy, and it was my home market, and I knew that I didn't really want to just jump around to a different city just to jump around to a different city, Right. Uh, and I wanted to live somewhere where I liked and, you know, had an interest, and I met my wife back in Tennessee, so, you know, I had to factor that into decision-making <laughs> too, uh, and so... Ended up getting the job here in Hampton Roads at Wavy, which is uh, based out of Portsmouth and Norfolk. And uh, it's been a great fit.
0: All right. So your wife does she like this particular area?
1: Yeah. Well, she she likes it on the days when it's nice and sunny, and she can go to the beach. <laughs> in the winter, when the sun sets at like you know four thirty, five o'clock, she's uh she's a little <laughs> seasonal depression maybe kicks in a little bit. But, yes, sir. You know the, the key is to to stay active and and keep finding fun things. That's been cool for me, being able to show her different things that I went to. I mean, show her my old schools, show her where uh, we used to go get our Christmas tree, show right. her all these different things that we used to do back uh, when I lived here at, growing up. And so that's been a neat opportunity.
0: Excellent. Does she still have family in Tennessee?
1: Yeah, all of her family's uh, actually in Tennessee. How so. often
0: do you all get back there?
1: Uh, she gets back more than me. Um, but, you know, uh, every couple of months, I would say. Uh, and it's close enough. Bristol's about six and a half, seven hours from here. Um, and so it's close enough to where you can drive, uh, you know, and it's a road trip for sure. Right. But you right, can make it there.
0: Right. So tell me, what? when did you spark an interest? In the weather, so
1: my first recollection of anything weather related was back in second grade. Um, we had a, a nor'easter come through, uh, and for someone who's not familiar what a nor'easter is, it's basically an area of low pressure that forms off our coastline. Typically, it gives us some wind and some rain, and uh, sometimes tidal flooding. But if you have enough cool air, sometimes you can wrap in some snow to these nor'easters, and that's what happened with this one. It transitioned from rain to snow. And my mom vividly remembers my second grade teacher letting me call home. uh, (laughs) I believe it was Miss Kleinhans, and letting uh, to tell her that hey, it was snowing. It wasn't snowing anything crazy. It was just like some flurries. But to me, that was really exciting, right? Because I kind of knew that that was going to happen. And so that was my first kind of idea of uh, oh, the weather is changing, and you can kind of predict it into the future. Um, And so from there, uh, my second biggest memory which may be familiar with with some listeners was hurricane Isabel, yes. which was in fifth grade uh for me 2003 september 18th we just passed the 20-year anniversary which is hard to believe uh of Isabel. and i remember looking on my teacher's computer at the hurricane center website and looking at the storm track and then getting out of school that afternoon and knowing there was no way we were going to have school for a while <laughs> after that storm um and we just found some home video tapes of me during the storm and kind of talking about what was going on and trying to explain what was going on. And, of course, our so street So you were doing
0: some broadcasting back yeah. then as a fifth grader? Yeah,
1: kind of back in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> I'm thankful I get paid for it now. But uh, back in fifth grade, I was, you know, doing my best Jim Cantori impression or uh, for wavy viewers or best Andy Fox impression yes. out there in the weather. So
0: <laughs> Nice. So you mentioned aviation as well. That was a or continues to be an interest of yours too. So are you doing anything with that?
1: Uh, So my grandfather was Air Force. Uh, He spent 30 years in the Air Force, and then he transitioned to U.S. Airways, uh, which at the time was, I believe, Piedmont Airlines back in the day. Um, And so he flew and then kind of gave me the aviation bug, per se. So back in 2011, when I was still a senior in high school, I actually got my pilot's license. Um, And so—
0: You got your pilot's license? Yeah. While you were still in high school. uh huh,
1: That was my senior year. So had to do it before I went to college because, uh, I was taking the, uh, the classes per se and, and the, the flying out at actually Langley air force base mm-hmm. back when they had an aero club there. Uh, and so I was doing all that my senior year, uh, which, which was interesting, you know, putting that on top. I remember I was in physics class and, um, um. Coach Chrisman uh, at Kecoughtan High School. Yes. He was a former Air Force pilot as well. And so one day I was there in physics class, finished all my stuff, and I was just studying some aviation things. And we had these flight computers. They're called EA-6B flight computers. Basically, they're... um, They don't look like calculators, but they're kind of instruments that allow us to calculate different things in the air. And so he saw it. He was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen one of these in years. And (laughs) was really excited to to try it out and uh, get back into it. But, yeah, I was uh, doing all that when I was still a senior. Um, And uh, from there, I've just kind of flown, you know, a of occasionally uh since then so but got to take my wife up on her first flight ever she had never flown an airplane until she flew with me so that was kind of so exciting. her first time
0: was mm-hmm. with you
1: yeah her first time flying an airplane was with me uh thankfully being a meteorologist i picked a nice calm morning <laughs> with no turbulence <laughs> no chance of thunderstorms anything like that and it was a nice smooth flight
0: so how far have you flown what's the furthest you've um flown?
1: my friends and i one time flew from Well, they flew from North Carolina, picked me up in Bristol, and then we flew down to um, Columbus, Mississippi, uh, to meet my other friend who lived down there at the time. So that was about a seven-hour flight or so, Um, a couple hops in between. But, you know, uh, it's a a very interesting way to, you know, explore. And and the interesting thing is obviously aviation and weather kind of go together. So I've always been able to pair my two interests pretty well.
0: Nice. That is very neat. So... Are you, do you, have you thought about pursuing that even further, the aviation track or?
1: Every once in a while. um, You know, there's pluses and minuses to that track. Um, Like a lot of jobs, obviously you're you're away from home a lot in that kind of field. And aviation is an inherently very expensive field to get into. That's why a lot of people do go the military route. But having said that, there's an airline shortage right now or a pilot shortage right now. Uh, Many of the older pilots are retiring out. And so the airlines are looking for more pilots. So if anyone's interested in that route, it's kind of a good time to get into that.
0: So actually, Ricky, having that license, does that automatically qualify you for like delta and united well, and southwest
1: um it doesn't automatically qualify you so i have a private pilot's license okay. and so basically there's different tiers private pilot's license is basically like think of it like step one i guess for aviation and then from there you would typically transition to your instrument license and then your uh commercial license right. and to be able to fly someone for hire on a basic level you have to have a commercial license the airlines also have different rules in place like you have to have logged so many hours as a safety standard. And of course, they have their own training processes you got to go through, too. But um, it it helps. Um, There's there's different avenues in aviation, too. Uh, For example, the NOAA hurricane hunters. Uh, They are the people who fly out into hurricanes and to gather information about them. And so they've told me before, hey, we'd love to have you because you're a pilot and a meteorologist. (laughs) You'd fit
0: right in. So it has wavy... Utilized you in that way? Uh,
1: in some cases, yes. Uh, so we have uh, a chopper ten at Wavy, and so I'm blessed every once in a while to be able to go up in chopper ten, uh, just either doing a story or kind of, sort of co-piloting, I guess you would say, uh, with Scott Abbott, who's our pilot. So a lot of times I'll go up, and because I have an aviation background and aviation knowledge, I'm able to assist him with navigation or right. looking out for traffic or aviation maps in a way that someone who you know maybe doesn't have a background in aviation wouldn't be able to. So I've been able to do that. Um, I've been heavily involved in our coverage of the air shows. And anytime there's like an airplane story, I'm like, oh, let me do that. Because I know (laughs) know, some things about this that some people may not. (laughs) Uh, So I try to be involved in aviation uh, as much as I can.
0: Just listening to you, I can see how meteorology and and aviation go hand in hand and you're the perfect person for the job as well. <laughs> Thank you. So I know you shared earlier in the introduction that you are a Hamptonian, uh, as am I. Uh, you attended Phillips, mm-hmm. Sims, and Kickatan. So share with the listening audience how Hampton City Schools has helped shape you into the person you are today.
1: So uh, as I mentioned earlier, second grade was probably my first recollection of weather. And I think all throughout elementary school, it was the teachers being allowing me to explore my interests. That really helped. And then that transitioned to middle school. Um, Dr. Caggiano, who, what's, his, I forget his role now. Um, He's a
0: deputy superintendent and chief of staff was now.
1: So, so at the time he was our principal at Sims Middle School. Yes. So uh, Sims would do morning announcements and initially we were doing them over just the intercom system. And he was like, Hey, does anyone want to do weather, you know, come find me and reach out to me and we can do that. And so I was the person who said, I'll do that. And so then we transitioned to video announcements. And so uh, I used to do the the morning announcements, the weathercast on that, which transitioned into me being known as the weather person for the entire school, right? <laughs> uh, for multiple grade levels as well. The students ahead of me and the students behind me, so they from, knew me so as that. So from there, a
0: star was born. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say that, yeah.
1: Um, so <laughs> from there... Um, Going through through sims um, once again, having teachers who listen to me and encourage us to explore our our interest, and you know, going through each of those different grade levels. Sometimes weather was mixed in. Uh, got to I believe it was ninth grade. Um, I remember uh, Miss Coolbear. Uh, she was our earth science teacher at the time, and she always jokes now when I speak to her that I she's like he probably knew more weather than I did back in the day. <laughs> um, but you know, we we were able to. Uh, Do hurricane tracking charts sometimes and having that interest uh, co-aligned with some of our curriculum really allowed me to explore what I wanted to do. (laughs)
0: It is, it's pleasing to hear you sharing the stories and me knowing the folks. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Caggiano and I work very closely together and have been connected at the hip for over 29 years now. You mentioned Coach Christman. Coach uh-huh. He has since retired, but yeah. he was there when I was principal at Kikutan, and Miss Cool is still there and yep. still doing some great things. Are you able to share a memory from school or a teacher who may have impacted you in some way? I know you shared some examples, but any specific memory you may have in, in a way that an educator has made an impact on your life?
1: Well, you know, I mentioned a lot of science uh, classes and stuff like that, but obviously education expands beyond just the science classes. I remember taking uh, Spanish with uh, Hector Morales uh, and took many years and he made learning Spanish fun, which very much benefited me back in, once I got into college, because I took four years at Kikatan, and I was able to place out of having to take it in college. Right. So saved me some money and, and saved uh, a little bit of time there. Um, some of my government classes uh, were really fun. We even had journalism and, uh, and yearbook back at Kikatan, and I was involved in that. Um, and so all of those classes and, and, you know, teachers that I had over the years certainly bring back good memories.
0: It's certainly pleasing to hear, you know, even in my role as superintendent, the impact Hampton has made on you in in terms of preparing you for life in general. So that's one of the things we continue to focus on as we move to the academy's model, I'm sure you're familiar with. And we often talk about the portrait of a Hampton graduate and ensuring young people are college career and life ready. But you just shared with us how Hampton City Schools has made learning relevant, made learning relevant for you to the point where you were able to further pursue your career interest as well as your interest in aviation as well. So certainly pleasing to hear that. And we're certainly proud of you being a Hampton City Schools graduate as well. well. Thank you. Any hobbies or interests you'd like to share with the Listening audience, I know aviation is an interest, but any other hobbies?
1: As we mentioned aviation, um, obviously our area is very heavily water involved. So uh, my wife and I love to go out to Fort Monroe. Uh, I go paddle boarding out there a lot, um, kayaking, stuff like that, being able to kind of explore that. Um, I'm involved in in drone photography, um, biking, stuff like that. So it, nice. it, our area allows us to, to stay pretty
0: active. And you like being outdoors, it sounds like. Yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I like being outdoors on good weather days and, and bad weather days. So <laughs> I, may, I may be the worst person to uh, give advice when it comes to Hey, stay inside when there's a storm. Well, (laughs) guess where I am? Probably not inside. The difference is I know what the tornado is probably going to do versus like everyone else. The predictability of it all helps
0: you. Any advice you would give to Hampton City School students who are aspiring to become a meteorologist?
1: So meteorology is very heavily uh, math and science oriented. Uh, depending on the field, though, that you go into, it's also communication uh, oriented. So I'll, I'll backtrack a second to the math and science. Calculus is huge in meteorology. And I struggle with that. When I, I didn't take many advanced math classes when I was going through Hampton City Schools. Um, but when I got to college, I had to take Calc 1, Calc 2, differential equations, stats, all this. And so when I got to college, um, having some calculus background but not having a ton of calculus background, I started just a little behind where I probably should have started um, for going through that program. However, I was able to, to catch up pretty quickly, and it wasn't a big deal. So I say this to tell someone who may not be great at math or may struggle with math a little bit that just because you may struggle with it doesn't mean that you can't succeed in it one day. Uh, and, and same thing for really any field. Right. If, if you sh- struggle with it, it's all just about, you know, buckling down and
0: trying to, yes. to study more yes. and eventually get there. I know the math teachers who may be listening to this, they are probably jumping for joy <laughs> that you said that as well. I mean, make certain we let Miss Vinnie know that, who is our curriculum leader for mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, So you you talked about the calculus classes. Any other classes they should focus on while in high school?
1: So uh, one I would say that probably people don't think about is communication. Uh, Many scientists are not the most outgoing people sometimes. (laughs) But especially in my field of the broadcast sector um, and a lot of research sectors, being able to communicate efficiently is key. I can tell you it's going to be you know, 75 and, and the 20% chance of rain tomorrow. But if I can't communicate that to you in a way that it makes sense as to when that 20% is going to happen or when that 75 is going right. to be, it doesn't matter. Right. The uh, forecast is only as good as what people understand of it. Uh, and, and we obviously have a lot more of that that we have to factor in when it gets into complex weather, like hurricanes and severe weather, but any th- class that allows you to, expand your communication aspects. And even the, the Spanish classes and the foreign language classes, bilingual um, you know, communication is a big thing now and will continue to be a big thing uh, for many years. So those type of classes are important.
0: We have to get you back more often because you're giving <laughs> some great advice and some great insight uh, just all around. So it looks like when you're talking about, for the most part, being in any particular field of work, yeah. We, we realize the importance of the communication factor, yeah. both oral and written, and we see how it has benefited you in your role as a meteorologist as well. What is the most challenging part of your job and also the most rewarding?
1: Um, the most challenging part has to be snow events for a multitude of reasons. Um, and, and I would say really any, Big weather event and sometimes even weather days when it's a 60% chance of rain or a 70% chance of rain, but it's not going to come through till five o'clock and everyone thinks that, oh, the entire day is going to be ruined because there's a high chance for rain. No, it's it's probably going to be in a 30 minute time window when this front comes through, but being able to communicate efficiently in a way where everyone gets what you're saying. We have a saying sometimes that a 50% chance of rain means a hundred percent chance of confusion because, uh, probability of precipitation <laughs> is a hard thing for for people to sometimes understand because it does mean different things. Um, and so being able to communicate that can sometimes be a struggle. Um, the most rewarding thing is, well, uh, it'll, the most rewarding thing in two aspects for me is always when we have severe weather and people trust me as a voice because our job is to be a calm but informative voice during severe weather, uh, like tornadoes or hurricanes, because people's lives are at risk. Right. And you want to make sure they have the information and they know what to do. Um From there, personally, uh, a neat, rewarding story has been getting emails from some former teachers or some former classmates and and being like, oh, look, you know, we knew him when he was this and (laughs) that and, uh, (laughs) you know, being able to do that. And nowadays uh, we do a lot of school visits. So we get to go back into Hampton City Schools and speak to uh, fifth graders or kindergartners or second graders about weather. And it's always kind of cool when the teachers are like, oh, he went to Hampton City Schools. Sometimes they're like, he didn't go to our school. He went to a different elementary (laughs) school. Um, But it's neat to be able to share with our community my, you know, my path and my, uh, my knowledge.
0: All right. So I, I imagine when you go to Phillips, though, that's like a homecoming event yeah. for you.
1: <laughs> Phillips, uh, you know, I realized, huh, these hallways are a lot smaller than yes. I remember they were. And, uh, <laughs> these kids, sometimes I think the kids are bigger than I remember being back then. But, uh, yes, uh, Phillips is, is really cool to go back to. Um, and I, I've done, I've done a multitude of different events too. Phillips. I did a, like a fifth grade promotion ceremony. Okay. Uh, at, Kikatan, I did a career uh, talk. So you know, a lot of times we do these school talks where we talk about weather and we talk about what we different types of weather they learn. But uh, it's been neat to be able to do some of these different. Uh, different, I guess, experiences or different types of uh, events at these schools.
0: Absolutely. I can certainly relate to that most challenging part of your job. While I have not experienced it yet, but in my previous roles as the chief of schools and Mm -hmm. being at the table with the superintendent making decisions about snow events, Uh I can only imagine how that will be for me now. It may be one of the most challenging and rewarding aspects for me as well in in ensuring that we we keep our community, our young people and, and staff members safe in the event the increment weather does come about. So I may be connecting with you as I'll well. Say, give some my insight, number, so. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to end on the most important question of this podcast. Do students or even adults ever ask you to inflate the snow forecast so that they could have a snow day?
1: Mm. <laughs> mm, I wouldn't say too often, but every once in a while you get the tweet or the, the Facebook message or something saying, can't you just forecast like a foot of snow? <laughs> uh, I like to think our uh, our leaders are a little bit smarter than that to go yes. with the, the false weather report. Um, you know, just like any good science experiment, you usually want to look at a couple different sources and a couple different Absolutely. avenues, and if one of them's an outlier, you're probably not going to go with that one. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's certainly something that sometimes is, uh, is a question. <laughs> so, But I like to be right sometimes when it comes to the forecast. Yes, sir. But the, the interesting thing about snow is, let's say I forecast three to six inches of snow. No one hears the three inches. They hear the six, six inches. inches. Yes, And they say, that's what we're going to get. <laughs> Whether the range is more likely to sh- go towards three and it's just a slight <laughs> chance of six, they're going to hit on that six
0: spoken like a true scientist. And and you're right, Ricky. If I have any questions or doubts, I I have your direct number now. (laughs) I I certainly appreciate you joining me today and sharing more about you and your experiences as a student and your career. I'm sure our listening audience has thoroughly enjoyed our time together as well. And to our listeners, remember, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. As one community, one transformation, we will ensure academic excellence for every child, every day, whatever it takes. We will catch you next time. Listen to learn more about Hampton City Schools. New episodes of HCS Talks drop on Thursdays. Subscribe and listen to HCS Talks. HCS Talks is a Hampton City Schools production.